So we're in the Ten Commandments, and you look at that and you go, Ten Commandments, oh man, that's so archaic. Yeah, they actually chiseled it out in stone. That's how old it was. So it's very cool to go back and look at it because we need to understand. A lot of people in the world today think of Christianity, they think of legalism, they think of funny hats like a pope, they think of red cardinal uniforms. By the way, uniforms are kind of fun, the outfits and the hats, kind of cool, but that's, that's a religious statement, and that's okay. We're okay with that. The, the thing is, it's about Jesus. It's not about what hat we wear. It's not about what robe we wear. It's not about our education. It's about the love of Jesus Christ. But because there's so much going on, it's important that we see, well, what is God saying to us? What, when, when we feel like he's not speaking, what is he saying to us? And the only way to do that is to go back into scriptures. And hopefully your devotional life has, has uh, improved over the last few weeks. Uh, I want to challenge you again. Please continue to get into the word, especially right now, and then continue, make a habit out of it so that when troubles come, you will know who God is. And, and I have to say that with, the, with me going back to the Ten Commandments, I've been very, um, it, it's been just inspiring. Um, and uh, I, I find that about Leviticus. So, I mean, I'm a weirdo. But when I, when I look at Leviticus and they talk about the sacrifices that God made and what you're supposed to do, people are bored and they just want to read right over that. But I really do enjoy it because it says a lot about what God wants and what he's asking his people to do. And so last week we talked about the first commandment, where you shall have no other gods before me. And we talked about how to put our trust in God in difficult times and in all times we're to pray. Pray, pray, pray. We don't do enough of it. Because why? Why? Prayer seems powerless, but um, it's not. We just give up too soon. We just give up too soon. And I know people that pray regularly for all sorts of different types of people, for people they know, people they don't know. I know that they pray, and they keep them, and they pray about them regularly until somebody says that there's been something that has improved or gotten worse or better or whatever it is so they can change their prayer. There's lots of people that do that. And that is endurance. That is prayer right to the definition. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, the other one is the recall the times we, we remember from last week, to recall the times that God has blessed you. How many times have you dealt with a child who's been having a good time, one thing happens that is in negative to their perspective, and everything else is ruined? The whole day is ruined. Right? Well, we're like that in our faith with God. We forget the good stuff. We do. It's so much easier to forget the good stuff. And now as we get older, sometimes all we remember is how great it used to be and how now they're just not as spiritual as they used to be. The songs aren't the same. Their faith isn't the same. Well, it's not. It's a little bit different, actually, but it doesn't mean it's bad. But we're to remember the good times. We're to remember what God has done for us, even when we're going through difficult times. The other thing I mentioned was to check your devotional life. Most of the time when things go wrong, it's a devotional issue. It's because you haven't been spending time in prayer. It doesn't mean things won't go wrong. But how you come at it, your angle, your perspective in difficult times. Um, it, our devotional life flops. Why? Well, what's the number one reason for divorce? I'm going to tell you. You don't have to tell me. Um, it's communication. Communication is the number one for divorce, the number one reason for uh, relationships that fall apart, communication. Uh, job losses and job problems, what is that? Oh, no, communication. Somebody's not communicating. It sounds very 
like there's a theme going on. I'm not sure if it's communication, but it might be communication. So, as I look at this, our devotional life is communicating with God. What happens when your relationship goes sideways with God? You're not communicating with Him. Solved. Problems. Done. Does your devotional life exist? And fourthly, the one we all love, the all one we've all been waiting for, wait a minute, wait. We've got to wait for God. We've got to wait for things. And we need to have some endurance, some perseverance. We need to have some stamina in our spiritual life. Just because it's not going the way we're praying doesn't mean that it's not going in a way that God wants it to go or that God's not doing something in our prayers. So we learned about that last week. That was a nice little recap. This week we're going to look at the same chapter, Exodus 20, but we're going to focus on verses uh, 4 to 6, and I'm going to read it for you. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Just a little side note. When it says here that he is a jealous God, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, he moves into saying punishing the children of their sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Let's just realize that our actions impact others. If you think that what you do and that your actions, good or bad, do not impact other people, you're wrong. They do. No matter what it is, your actions impact others, and they have repercussions for generations, good or bad. We have to understand this. We're not an island that stands alone on our, by ourselves. We are connected to the people we know and to others, and it impacts generations. So sin, wrongdoing, no matter how big or small, will impact other generations down the road. And we need to be careful, and that's why we need to repent. That's why we need to be an open book to God, and we need to let that stuff go and lay it at his feet. If you're carrying some kind of burden this morning, close your eyes, lay it at his feet, and let him take care of it. If you're struggling with the burden of sin in your life, if you're struggling with issues that you can't control, which is probably most things except your own reaction, lay them down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Lay them down. Come on. The reason why there's a song out there, lay them down. It's true. Lay your burdens down, and he will take them. Now, will he fix it? I don't know. Will he help make, get you through it? Probably. Will he help you while you're in it? Yes. Doesn't mean it's going to go away, though. Our actions impact others, whether they're good or bad, and we can be impacted by a lot of different things. So it says you shall not make for yourself an idol. Now, God made us to worship him, and he wants us to have a close relationship with him. His desire for us is for us to be exclusive to Jesus, like that we love him and love him only. And in times of trials, the Israelites were tempted to pursue, and they did, physical, tangible other gods, man-made idols that were visible to the touch. Now, we all know about the golden calf. We all know that um, while uh, the, the Ten Commandments were being created, um, they made a golden calf, and uh, they put it into the shape of something to worship, of something that God created. 
we do that ourselves. We put things in our lives that impact everything we believe. And if God's not doing what we want, if God's not doing exactly how we've asked him to do it, we go to something else. What is the thing that you go to when you feel like God isn't speaking to you, talking to you, caring about you, whatever it is that you're going through? So like the Israelites, we might be tempted to put something else in place of our trust that's tangible when it seems like God is silent, when it seems like he's far away. Um, but I, I want to say to you today that if you remain faithful to God, if you continue, it doesn't mean you're not going to slip up. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. But if you remain faithful to him, he's going to walk you through things as he has promised. He's going to be with you always. Now, most of us think of, a, of an idol as a statue of something of wood or stone or uh, metal that's worshipped by pagan people. And, and the concept of idolatry, though, is actually quite broader than what we think it is. Now, it was true. Israel was copying other nations. Other nations made idols that they could worship, and they actually carried them around. You'll read in the Bible, they talked about how there was, they, you know, one lady st stole, a, stole an idol and put it in her bag, and they were told to destroy everything, and they found the idol, and it was a big big hoopla about it, everybody was all upset, and, and it was this little doll. In, the, in, in ancient times, people used to take these dolls around, these idols, wherever they would go, and they'd set them up, they'd feed them and bathe them. It was basically like playing Barbie, right? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that nowadays. Can I say Barbie? I don't, I don't know what they're canceling lately. Anyways, so <clears throat> you can't, it was like a doll, and you could carry it around, and you took care of this doll. It was like a, a tamag Gucci, Gucci, little water. It's all those things. You just carry them around. But it was, that was actually what they did. That's what they worshipped. And God was saying, I am too powerful, too awesome, too loving, too caring, and you cannot define me by making a copy of something I created. So when we look at the Egyptians, when we look at all the other, you know, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, all of them making their idols and having their statues... Um, you could see why God is saying, no, 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 no. I created, first of all, the earth, and I created the materials you're making your gods with. Do not worship the created. Worship the creator. Don't put me in that box. I'm bigger than that. You can't possibly fathom God and everything that he is about. So... When we get into trouble, we need something tangible because we need to put our trust in something. Every day you drive down the street, you put your trust in certain things. You put faith in certain systems that function. First of all, your cell phone. How many people have this thing attached to their face so that it's burned like an Apple logo right into your cheek? Because we need that thing around all the time. We trust it. When you get in your car and you drive down the street and the lights change, you actually have faith in a computer system that is controlling each intersection. That's like awesome technology, but here's the problem. What if that technology breaks down? And you're putting in that faith, like we just go. We don't think about it, we just do. When you wake up in the morning, everything you do, the lights, the fact that houses haven't caught on fire, there's a reason for those things, but they can. They can catch on fire, but thank goodness, nobody here at this point in time, your house has caught on fire. We, we trust in the safety of the things we put in place. We trust in those things, why? 
because they're tangible, we can see them, we understand them, we get it, and we're like, you know what, maybe you don't understand how all the safety features are there and why they're there, but you have faith that they work. You have faith that they work. Your airbags. Ever been punched in the face with an airbag in a car accident? You'll know it. By the way, don't bedazzle your steering wheel with little diamonds or rocks or anything, because when the, when the airbag goes off, you'll have a crater face like you wouldn't believe when those things go flying off, right? Pretty bad, pretty bad. But you're putting trust that these systems are going to function while you're driving around. We have this electric car. Michelle has this electric car thing. And we're trusting that it's actually not going to just, you know, burst into flames, right? Because they put safety features in, we, we assume, <laughs> right? So, so we put our trust in so many other things. We just don't always like to put them in God because we want something tangible. And so an idol is a part of anything that you put in place of your trust of God. So whatever that is, whether it's your power, whether it's your position, whether it's your status, your financial, whatever it is, you're putting things in place and can put things in place. So in biblical terms, it's, it's something other than God that we set our heart on, that motivates us, that masters us, that rules us, that we trust, that we fear, that we serve. That is an idol. So it's not just a physical doll that you carry around. It can be something else that we put our trust in other than the supreme God. So in short, it's something we love more than God. And that we have to check. We have to check that every day. Are we putting our trust? He designed us. God designed us to be, uh, to be creatures of worship. And we're going to worship something. In your life, you will worship something. Whether that worship is rightly placed depends on your relationship with God. And as I said earlier, our choices affect those closest to us long after we have experienced the immediate consequences of whatever it is, good or bad. And you're saying, yes, I know this. Yes, you may know this, but do you recognize it? Do you put it into practice? Do you put God first? We need to come to the understanding that the Ten Commandments are not, giving, not, not given to us as a measuring stick of how righteous we are or our own personal salvation or our holiness, whether we're inside or outside the faith, our behavior, or in fact, the fruit of our faith is the result of our faith. In other words, it's the outcome, the fruit of our lives. So when, when we look at lists, we don't, lists of things and commandments to do, we don't do this list of things and commandments to do to be right before God, right? It's actually, the Ten Commandments are actually showing us the character of God. It's explaining to us how God loves us so much. And he's saying, if you do these things, the consequences will impact many beyond you. And so he's saying, I am a God of love. I want a relationship with everyone. But what do we do? We'll take a list, like the Ten Commandments, and we'll say, if I do these things, I am right before God. That's not the gist of it. The gist is God is a loving God. He cares for us. He's laying out a pattern, a path, let's say house rules 
of, hey, this is something, if you do this, it's a good thing. If you do this, it's a bad thing, and the consequences of that. Maybe you can get away with it for a while, but the consequences of that down the road will. So he's actually pouring into your life, whether you think he is or not. We don't like it when people tell us what to do, but we also want a measuring stick of how well we're doing. That's confusing. You're a confusing bunch. We want a measuring stick, but we don't want to be told what to do. So we're in a dilemma here, people. We're in a dilemma. So, so when I look at the Ten Commandments, I go, you know what? That's who God is. He cares about us so much. He's concerned about our own physical and spiritual well-being. And he's also concerned about those that come after us. That is a good God. That is a good God. So he's concerned about us. He loves us. And I've said it a million times. We can't expect people who don't have a relationship with God to do what God has asked them to do. We can get upset with family members, friends, strangers, whoever, and that's what's happening in our world today. They're getting upset with people not acting appropriately when they don't know that that's how they're supposed to act because they don't have a relationship with God. And so the battle begins, and then relationships are destroyed. If love is what God wants us to do, and the greatest commandment is love, then what do you think we should do? Get mad at people and hate. No, love. It's simple. It's frustrating because sometimes don't you just want to choke people out? I mean, I mean that in the most biblical Christian way. You want to love them to death in the neck area because they're so frustrating. But we can't expect them to behave a certain way when they don't have a relationship with God. And then we go, well, what about those that have a relationship with God? Do we expect them to react a certain way? Yeah, yeah, we kind of do, but, but do we treat them any different than those that are outside that don't understand God's love? No, we have to love them too. Uh, you're so frustrating, God. Why do you do this to me? I have to love everybody. I can't get mad. I can't get upset. Yeah, well, you can, but our, relationships with, our relationship with God and our relationship with others is what God is saying you need to build. You can't just... Get your own way. And I don't like talking about politics, but I'm not going to say it, so don't worry about it. But it's frustrating because people say, well, if you're not a conservative, then you're not a Christian. If you don't vote conservative, then you're not a Christian. If you, don't vote, if you vote liberal, then you're definitely going straight to hell because Justin Trudeau is the Antichrist, right? That's what everybody, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I mean, that's what people say. I, I, I don't even care. Let's just pray. Let's pray for our government. Good, bad, whatever, indifferent. Pray for them to make decisions that are wise, that God will be shown and, he will, and they will understand who he is. But we get in our heads. Now, the Israelites got in their heads. They doubted God's power and his provision. And when they saw the people who were living in the promised land, they panicked because they thought they couldn't defeat these people. Now, God has sent them there to take the promised land. Now, they didn't believe he would equip them and defeat the enemies and take possession of the land that he promised them. So now God's making, if you know God and he makes a promise and you're like, 
yeah, but God, we saw the people. I don't know if you didn't see the big giant people in the land, and there's a lot of cool stuff there, and we're really appreciative of it, but we don't think we can beat them. And God's going, you don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. Yeah, you know, God, I think you're overestimating us. I don't think we can do it. And then, then, we, then we lose faith in what God is doing. So because of their unbelief, the Israelites wandered throughout the desert for 40 years. Now, this is really important. They wandered through the desert for 40 years. But God was still with them. What? Even in their disobedience, God was still with them. But that doesn't line up with my Ten Commandment list. That doesn't line up with my Ten Commandment list. If I do these things, you'll be, I'm, I'm righteous and holy. If I don't do these things, God, you're going to punish me. Well, he did punish them for their actions. They wandered for 40 years. But he provided for them the whole time. Yes, if they've tried to map out the route of the Israelites and it's a big squiggly spaghetti mess as they fall around for 40 years. But God was making a point. If you don't put your faith in me, you're going to wander. But I will still be there. Mm. That's horribly frustrating because we like our lists. If I do the list, he's going to make everything okay. You don't think there were some people in the Israelite group that said when they were making the golden calf, you don't think there were some people that said, this is probably a bad idea. First of all, Moses is up the hill. We've got to just chill out, everybody. Relax. We don't want to get too carried away here. You don't think there were people like that? My famous line, people know me in the fire department, is like, relax, everybody. Relax. We'll get there. We'll get to the fire scene. We'll, we'll put the fire out. Everybody just chill. Because everybody's all excited. But we need to relax a little bit. God wants a relationship with us no matter what. But we have our own issues. And so they did try to make idols, the Israelites, which, you know, we tend to do that. We put other things in our way. They uh, did try to fight their own enemies on their own without any help from God, thinking that just because they chose to do it, that that was what God wanted, but it was not because they didn't listen. And they also tried to solve their own problems in many different ways, only to fall flat on their face. And we do the same thing. They learn the hard way. We like to learn the hard way, don't we? You're like, yeah, I do. I like to learn the hard way. But if they actually truly repented of their sins, and, and, and what that means is to be truly sad about what they've done and turn away from it, there's no stopping what they could do with the power of God. They learned that obedience leads to blessing and that the presence of God is everything they need. Now, blessing, again, we have to be very careful when we talk about blessings. We think it's material. It's not material. Get that out of your head. Can it be well, yes, because, again, we talked about our actions produce fruit, which produces blessings as well. So if we follow that, it's pretty simple. Our actions, how we love God, love our neighbor. And when we're loving our neighbor, the Ten Commandments, when we love God and love our neighbor, we don't actually, oh, I might get in trouble. We don't actually need the Ten Commandments if we love God and love our neighbor. Because if you love 
God, you're not going to put an idol in the way. You're not going to serve another God. If you love God, you're not going to murder someone else because love God, love your neighbor. Do you see how it all works? So you don't need them, but they're there. And so we need to discuss them. So they learned through their Israelite uh, desert experience and all their other experiences. They learned to pray. They learned to worship. They learned to care for one another. They learned to be warriors, and they learned to hear God's voice. Do you hear God's voice? And you're like, man, I'm trying, but it's just not, I'm not hearing it. That's okay, because guess what? We have this. We have this book right here. There's many books right here, letters, all sorts of good stuff. They talk about God's how he is and what he's like. And I just explained to you that the Ten Commandments is about God's love for us. So God loves you. And he loves those people you're praying for. He loves those people that have lost their way. And if you love him, you'll love them too. Does it take away the frustration? No, it does not take away the frustration. It does not take away the personality conflicts. Not that there's any here, of course. But... It takes that away. At times you might feel like you're wandering through the wilderness in a big, long, going nowhere kind of journey. Um, but don't place other things in the place of God just because you're impatient with God. Because he's going to work things out. It might not be how you like it. It might not be what you want. But he's going to work it out. And he's always powerful and he's always in control again would he would, would we do things the same way god's doing them no we wouldn't but there's other factors here in play and we don't know all of those factors god's going to use your journey god's going to use your path like the Israelites thousands of years ago, to draw you closer to himself and to show you how faithful he is. But you have to communicate. You have to be in a relationship. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7 says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. We can take that verse to heart. God is with you right now. He's been with you through your journey. Before you knew him, before you even understood him, he was there, wooing you over, talking to you, showing love and compassion, bringing people into your lives that would speak his love. He's been with you even though you wandered. And then when you became a Christian, even though you still wander, we all do, he's still there with you. If you can get a hold of that, you will have an incredible life. You will have an incredible life. If you're like, well, I haven't done that, well, start now. You will continue to move forward in your faith and in your journey, and you will impact people in ways you never even thought you would. I don't know if we fully take this serious because our self gets in the way. Paul talks about that in Romans, how the things that he wants to do, he shouldn't do. And he struggles with the inner man. And we struggle. We struggle, and there will be times with that. 
But don't go to something else because it's difficult. Don't put something else in the place of God that you trust. Don't put something else in that place. The reason why we pour into children, the reason why we do Kids Week is so that they can understand who God is, so that they know they're not alone. Mental health right now is at an all-time bottom barrel low. People are struggling through so many things and they don't know how to react and you can go to counselors you can talk to people you can do whatever but it's still struggle some of it can be chemical chemical and it can be like body and all that other stuff is just environment and what's been going on in the world with the wars and the rumors of wars and and the threats and economy and all this stuff can just pile on top and mental health can be like how am i gonna make it guess what you're gonna make it you're going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. But once this is over, once all these difficult times are over, guess what? I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But there will still be problems ahead that we will have to navigate. And just because one problem is solved doesn't mean others won't happen. So we have to be building our foundation, our belief in God, our understanding of who he is and how he loves us, we have to continue to build on that. No matter how strong we think we are in faith, we need to dig in. We need to set aside our ego and get that aside, not worry about all that, and we need to focus on God, and we need to focus on loving others as difficult as it may be. He's with you through his journey. He's a jealous God because he wants to protect, and he has an exclusive love for us. He wants us to have the same thing, very similar to a marriage, where one desires the undivided commitment and love of the spouse, or in a relationship in the family, where, where undivided attention to family. He's jealous. Uh, he has a jealous love uh, because it's the ultimate expression he had with Jesus Christ, and how he sent his own son to die for us. So today I want to challenge you with a few questions. I'm not going to give you a list of things to do because that would be just what I said we're not supposed to always do. So sometimes those are helpful. But today, questions. I like questions because they become your answers. They're not, hey, if you go, if you pray, you do your devotional. Wait a minute, I think I said that last week. If you do certain things, then you'll be fine. Well, no, you won't be fine. Those are things to help as a foundation. But today I want to challenge you with three questions for you to go out there and ponder during the week. And so when we talk about idols, when we talk about things in our lives that we don't put our trust in him, what takes the place of God in your life this morning? I'm not asking you to stand up and confess and then come forward and we'll cast that out of you. That's not what I'm talking about. What do you put in place of God in your life? Is it relationships? Is it children? Is it family? Is it, uh, what, what is it? Is it your job? Is it money? Is it power? What is it? Position. So what do you do in place? Where do you find your significance and your confidence? Is it a false sense of confidence? I, I mean, I'm a big, big believer in fake it till you make it in certain situations. Believe me, right? you, you got to sometimes. You just got to fake it. Right? But where do you find your Significance and your confidence. Well, let, let me just help you on this one. Our significance is in Christ. You've been adopted, so I'm going to answer this question partially for you, but then you've got to figure out what you're doing that you're putting in place of that. 
you, our, our confidence is that we are adopted in the family, sons and daughters of God. That's where you find your significance. You find your confidence in God Almighty. Now, what are you putting in its place for your confidence and for your significance? Because who you view, you, who you view, how you view yourself is very important because it's how you believe God thinks of you. So if it's negative, you actually believe God couldn't possibly love me. That's not true because he said he loves us. So get that out of your head. If you think God doesn't love you, again, I hate to say it, but you're wrong. He loves you. So focus on that. So what takes place in your life? What do you put, you know, in... Um, what significant thing are you putting in place of God in your life? And where do you find your significance and your confidence in? And then thirdly, what things, this is different, what things make you angry? Well, can I, 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 let me start. Let me help you on this one. You know what makes me angry? Things I can't control because I'm kind of a control freak in a, in a good way. I would say. But I like to know how they, we all want to make sure things work out properly. So control, control. So what things make me angry? Things I can't control. I'm just getting angry right now. I'm just like all tingly and angry because of it. Things I can't control. When there are things that get you upset, what are they? So this, this week, honestly, please think about it. What things take place of God in your life? Where do you find your significance and your confidence? Write these down if you haven't. What things make you really angry? Why? Because angry usually erupts when an idol gets knocked off the shelf. When that thing that you put trust in doesn't work, what happens? You get mad because it didn't work. We have created in North America a Christianity that is supposed to work for us. It's supposed to work for us. And when it doesn't, when we do the list, because, you know what, for the longest time, we would give lists because, you know, this is, they're, they're helpful. Lists are always, I love a good list. Keeps us in order, keeps things going. Do, can I stray from that? Oh, I'm the king of not listening to lists. Like, I was like, eh, Michelle will send me to the grocery store. And she says, this one event, she tells everybody, so you probably already know it, but she said, go get chocolate chips, and I brought back chocolate chip cookies, right? So, <laughs> hey, they're in the thing. They're in the cookie. So I wasn't wrong, all right? Let's just be clear. But usually when an idol gets knocked off the shelf, we get angry. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? That's something you need to think about because that's where you're putting the trust in. And if you can kind of grab a little bit of grasp on that, what makes you angry, then you will be on the way to understanding God a little bit more and how you tick. And you'll be able to knock that idol off the shelf. If it's my position, if it's, if it's my relationships, if whatever it is, if those are the things we're putting before God, it's time we laid them down and gave that stuff over to him. And you know what? We've heard this for years. People talk like this in churches for years. Lay it down, give it to God, let it go, let it go. All that stuff. But we don't always do it. 
I want to challenge you today. Figure out what it is before you just start throwing everything and just figure it out what makes you angry. Figure it out what you put your significance in. It'll change your life. It doesn't mean that things will go great always, but it'll change your life. And as you treat people, and as you love them, you will see that for generations, they will continue however you taught them. It'll impact them. You have an impact right now. Use it. Use it for good. I really want to challenge you this week. This is a, this is a week where you have to think about your own faith. And if you need those, I can email the masses out to the, with those questions uh, this week just so you can kind of walk through them if you forget what they are. But really dig deep in how you view God, how he views you, and what you put in his place. Because as we move forward, these Ten Commandments are going to get a little bit more in-depth. They're going to get a little deeper. And we're going to ask you questions that you have to fight and wrestle with. And it could change your worldview, could change your view on a lot of things. And so I'm really hoping as we walk through this that you will find the Ten Commandments to be inspiring and not like a list of things that we can or cannot do. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these great people here. And as we move forward, as we continue to walk in our journey and our faith, whether we are uh, in the desert wandering, whether we are struggling with our faith, our own personal walk, whatever it is, we know you are with us no matter what. You're on the journey with us, whether we're in the wilderness or whether we're outside of that in the promised land. You are with us no matter what. Help us to recognize that in our own lives, but also help us to recognize that in other people's lives because their journey is different than ours. Help us to recognize that. It's not going to be the same as our journey. Their journey is going to be different. So as we move forward, let us put our faith, our hope, our trust, and our love in you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. I'll send those uh, questions out just to make sure, because if you don't have a pen or paper, I want to make sure that you do this this week. God bless you. I hope you have a great week. Turn off the news. Turn off the ticker on your phone. Don't worry about what's going on in the world today. Let's focus on Jesus, and then we'll get back to that other stuff. God bless you. Be safe.